right, well, hello. Welcome in to another episode of This Fleeting Breath. Um, today, uh, I thought that we would take sort of a, a little bit of a, a dive into um, what I would refer to as um, the doctrines of grace. And really, um, from the 17th century on, the, um, the doctrines of grace have kind of been an undercurrent flowing through um, the Baptist faith um, really since its inception. Um, and so when you think back to uh, men like um, men like John Bunyan and um, Andrew Fuller, uh, even even in the 17th century, um, these things were present. And so what I thought that we would do over the next couple of podcasts is um, discuss what are the doctrines of grace and and what is it that we believe about those things. And um, you know, not every not every conversation will be, um, I don't think we'll all agree uh, on every every finer point, but it is good, I think, to kind of lay out what it is we believe about the doctrines of grace. And, um, and so that's what we're, that's what we're going to do. So today uh, we are going to dive into um, the first, uh, the first doctrine of grace. Um, and some of you may have heard it referenced as, um, as TULIP, as the first, um, letter of the acronym, um, but we're going to be talking about total depravity. And so I have with me today Brother Edwin, who is executive pastor here at Lincoln Avenue, and uh, back with me again is Brother Randy, senior pastor here at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. So um, so welcome in, guys. Uh, so let's, let's jump into the first question. I sent you guys a text um, early this afternoon. Um, about uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight, and the first question that that I that I put was, "What is, um, or what do we mean by total depravity?" Well, uh, I guess to start, you know, uh, depravity to be depraved. Uh, Means to be in a, a place, uh, absence of God, place uh, a, a wicked, a wicked place. Uh, total depravity. The way I would define total depravity uh, in regards to humanity is that all men outside of Christ are totally depraved in a sense that um, salvation is impossible uh, because uh, without Christ there is no salvation. Uh, and not only is salvation impossible, but rather, I would add to that, um, man is a slave to Satan. Uh, man, as, as, as we Christians, we refer to our Christian life as being a son of God, son of uh, the Lord, son of Christ, children of God, whatever you may want to call it. Uh, anyone that has not been born again is a servant and son of Satan. Um, and I know that that's radical for some people to hear uh, because does it, you know you think it's not like everyone's going around looking like a Satan worshiper or carrying on like a Satan worshiper, but they are not their own. They are enslaved to him. And so uh, that would be probably the, a generic description of what I would say total depravity is. Yeah, I think it's important that we distinguish there that like when we're talking about total depravity, I think some people want to take things to extremes that we that we're saying that that men act um, 
as bad as possible all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not the case. That, mm-hmm. but, but the issue is with, um, with the heart, right? It's that everything we do, whether or not we think it's good or bad, um, in our natural state comes from a place of, uh, of, of sinfulness, a place of um, sort of self-worship. Um, and so it's not that people are as bad as they could possibly be. It's that um, everything that we do is tainted by, uh, by, by, by our sinful nature. Hmm. Would, yeah. you, would you agree yeah, with think, that, brother? I think that's exactly right. And, you know, it's easier for us to desire to compare ourselves to other people. And so, mm-hmm. you know, our tendency when we, when we hear totally depraved, our mind goes to someone like um, Adolf Hitler. Yeah, Hitler. Yeah. Or someone like that. And yeah. we want to compare ourselves to Charles them and Benson. say, well, we, we can't be as bad as they are. Um, yeah. And so it's not a comparison, though. It's uh, um, the, the, the sinfulness is ingrained within within people so that I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, your what are your thoughts on? And if, you're, if your thoughts are on yourself more than they're on the things of God, um, that's, a, that's a sign of a depraved nature that you're, there's a inward focus um, yeah. among a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's almost as if, you know, we live in sort of a, an era of a humanist viewpoint on uh, human nature and, and, you know, who 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 we are as a as a as a uh, people, um, and there's really been a trend toward that there is um, indwelling within man goodness, mm-hmm. and and anything that doesn't reflect that goodness is just a flaw in that goodness. But the scripture teaches us, or at least we feel like the scripture teaches us that. Um, <clears throat> That we are completely, um, th- that our very nature is is flawed, and that it comes from a place of the, the the problem is not that we sin. The problem is that we're that we're sinners, right? And the sin is a is a result of 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 our sinfulness um, in general. So uh, that's sort of where I. So you know, if we put it in the most basic terms, right? What we're saying is that. When we're talking about total depravity, it's man's inability to save himself. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that we can do um, as from our from our human nature to be able to merit um, righteousness. Mm-hmm. Thus, grace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's and that's it's an important point there, Heath, because that's you know the reality is. Um, <clears throat> If you are in bondage to Satan, you're not free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Just as Paul talks about uh, in, um, in Romans uh, 6, that we become slaves to righteousness. That's the opposite view, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, we, we have a freedom in Christ. We have a bondage in Satan. Uh, the, the picture that he uses is slavehood in both senses, but there's a freedom in Christ. And Jesus says in John 15... You know, I no longer call you a slave, I call you friend. Yeah. And and Satan ne- will never talk to humanity in that way, only in a temptation form to, to fool them or deceive them. Right. You know? Yeah. So so then the second question I think that sort of we lead into is um where do we see 
total depravity um, being taught to us throughout the scriptures. Mm. Um, because it's obviously not a, um, you're not going to read the words totally depraved, right? Um, so so what do we, where do we see that in the scriptures? Well, in a sense, I see it on the entire Bible. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I see it from the fall mm-hmm. of Genesis 3 uh, until the um, return of Christ uh, in Revelation. I know that's not the, the question that you're asking. Um, what I, I would see, I, here's, here's the way I would look at this, is uh, I would look at this in, in regards to soteriology and, and, and how a man is saved, is how right. I would look at it. Yeah. Um, and so in regards to, with, with that in mind, um, when, to, to speak in terms, maybe not as a, a master theologian, which I definitely don't claim to be, but to speak in terms of uh, a local Christian here in East Tennessee, we believe that you must be born again mm-hmm. to get to heaven. I don't think we would have fellowship with anyone that did not believe in that. And so I believe that the doctrines of grace, if there was one chapter of the Bible that I was going to focus on, it's John chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And so in regards to where I would start with taking people in total depravity is actually John 3 and not necessarily Genesis 3. Because when Jesus is telling Nicodemus, before Nicodemus even asks, you must be born again, he is, he is pointing out the fact that our first being of, of, of our fleshly being uh, on this earth is, is a, the, of the image of Adam in its likeness and appearance, yeah. but it's also in the image of Adam in his death. And so that would point to the uh, the the beginning of sin and humanity that came in the fall, and we've all inherited that, which is you know linked to the original sin discussion, right? And so when Jesus is saying you must be born again, he's he's saying all men must be uh, made new yeah. uh, in order to be saved. And so you know from from that picture, it goes a long ways out through Scripture. Uh, there's all of these uh, shadows of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think John three is a great place um, to start uh, the conversation because um, it is kind of the uh, sort of, I guess, uh, it, it's laid out there very clearly, right? That mm-hmm. that the the necessity is that we be made new, like that the 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 shell or the the, the existence that we're in, right, has to die. And we, we have to be made new. We have to be born again. And so um, that, that speaks of a regeneration that has mm-hmm. to happen. Um, and, and so we, we talk about that all the time. We talk about how that regeneration has to precede faith, right, that, that, the, that God has to work in the heart of a man um, in order for him to have uh, faith. And we, we call that, um, grace, and we call that sort of that doctrinally um, regeneration. Um, but I would look, you know, at Romans one, and kind of the 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 whole first chapter there kind of speaks to 
um, you know, you have in there that they've they've God has given them over to a depraved mind. Mm-hmm. We have that you know they they know God but they don't acknowledge Him as God. Um, and then you know Romans chapter three is it's there as well that no one is righteous, no one seeks after Him. You know, um, and so and so when I look at total depravity, depravity, those are the those are the places that my mind immediately goes. Edwin, do you have any yeah, other I mean, ones you look, that you look? All throughout the book of Romans, I mean, it's just, it just seems to be a continual theme constantly throughout Romans. So when you, um, <clears throat> like Romans eleven thirty two, I've got here on my paper, for God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Mm. And so you see it as a continual theme starting in, Gen- in Romans chapter 1 and throughout the rest of the book of Romans. But then you look in, in Corinthians and Ephesians, and I'm like, what Randy said to begin with, when you start thinking about these things and you start looking at Scripture and you start focusing on on a subject such as this, it's it's hard to read Scripture sometimes without seeing it, mm-hmm. um, because it's just such a pervasive theme. And even in even in Jeremiah, um, I've got that down here. Can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard his spots? Then also you can do. Um, then also you can do good who are accustomed to do evil. And, you know, it's kind of a, a question there that answers itself. Can, a, can an Ethiopian change a skin or a leopard a spot? The answer to that is no. Yeah. Um, nor are you going to make yourself whole mm-hmm. on your own mind and in your own power. And so it's, I think it's a pervasive theme throughout Scripture. And um, it's kind of, kind of interesting when people get away from total depravity. Um, it's interesting to see where they go in Scripture to get away from it because there's just not much there. Yeah. And so, um, and I think we'll see that later on in our talk. Yeah, I, I think I would just uh, want to piggyback on you guys talking about Romans. <clears throat> one, one, one issue I have ran into in the pastorate, <clears throat> not necessarily here, but just in my ministry, mm-hmm. is that Romans 1 is all, uh, after you get to verse 18 through the end of the chapter of Romans 1 is oftentimes looked at as a 20, well, when I was younger, 20th century, now 21st century um, prophetic voice of humanity. Yeah. When it was not ever intended to be that way, you know, um, it, was, it was a pronouncement of God's wrath has been revealed upon humanity, yeah. right? And it wasn't anything to come. It has always been. It's always been. And so Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, before the flood, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis chapter 8, verse 21, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Yeah. And, And so that's the reality. Again, like you guys were saying at the start, um, we don't we don't believe that everyone's walking around with a gun in their pocket ready to blow someone's head off. We don't believe that everyone cheats on their taxes. Mm. What we do believe is that everyone outside of Christ is lost and subject to evil forces and powers, and the very nature of their heart is evil. Yeah, yeah, and and even you know just to take it a step further because and um. You guys will help me with the passage here, but you know the part in—I think it's Romans where Paul is talking about that—that even even the good things that we do, right? If it doesn't proceed from faith, 
Mm-hmm. It's sin, yeah. right? And so even in our own morality, mm-hmm. right? And and Paul talks about that as well that we, you know, we set we set up for ourselves a morality that we can't live up to, mm-hmm. um, and that's just our morality, not not to speak of the righteousness of God, right? Um, but even the good things that we do out of a sense of morality and all of those things, because they're not proceeding from a, a place of faith, are sin, mm-hmm. right? And so it's just it's a tangled web of of mess and sin that we exist in, and it really it takes a supernatural divine act to bring us out of um, out of that that uh, that state. Uh, there's no other way that I can I can justify what the scripture says about how a man uh, is saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that God acts in in His you know supernatural divine work and and uh, moves in the heart of a man because you know if even the good things that I do are mm-hmm. sin, mm-hmm. then I'm in big trouble, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that that I think. Um, amplifies even more the gospel mm-hmm. if we define the darkness of our state of sinfulness correctly, right? It's kind of like um, the darker it is outside, the brighter the stars seem, right? It's kind of like mm-hmm. that um, in, a, in an essence. It, it, there's a sense in which I think that the gospel has, begot, has gotten, uh, at least in the American church, watered down a little bit because we're not defining the sinfulness of man mm-hmm. uh, and the depravity of man in the way that we ought to. And so the, so the good news of the gospel um, is, uh, is dimmed mm-hmm. because we somehow think that there's some sort of humani- humanity or, or, or humanism backdrop when, when the truth it's is... It's the great lie. It's, yeah. the, great it's lie. the great lie of Genesis 3. Eat this and you, know, you will not die. You will be like God. Amen. And so there is a belief within us. Again, it's part of our total depravity. There's a belief that's within us that we're almost like Him. Mm. You know, we're pretty good. You know, we're just maybe not got everything in line. Yeah. You know, and then you go to the Sermon on the Mount, and this is why. This is why you know, the Sermon on the Mount it really identifies why they wanted Jesus dead as soon as they get Him dead. Mm-hmm. Jesus, don't let your right hand know what the left hand's doing. You know, I mean, yeah. that's crazy. That's a crazy thought. And, and, you know, for the believer, that's difficult. You know, for the believer, it's almost impossible for us to even rationalize that. You need a righteousness even greater of that than that of the Pharisee. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, like, that's Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, 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 what? It's, yeah. And, but here's one thing I don't want to lose sight of. And, and may, I can't remember what I was in our notes. Maybe we're going to cover this. But I want to make sure we're clear about this. There's a major problem here. Hmm. And, and so total depravity is not just a doctrinal position. It's not just a, a theological um, discussion. Man is in a very, very bad situation. God is at war with unrighteousness. And so, again, this he is where... He hates the worker of iniquity. He hates them. Psalm 5.5. Five. Yeah. This is where... Again, this is very radical for some people. It's hard for them to understand this because their neighbor across the street, you know, they may have no desire of having gospel conversations. 
they may have tried to invite them to church 12, 13 years ago and asked them a hundred times, and now they're just kind of in a place like, you know what, he's a good neighbor. Yeah. And so it's very hard for people to grasp this. God is at war with the neighbor across the street who is not his son mm. or his daughter. Yeah. And you look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul says, For therefore we have now been justified by faith, and we are at peace with God. Well, who knew we needed that peace? Yeah. There's a war. God yeah. has pronounced war on sin. And, and, and his judgment is red hot and kindled against it. And I think, I think that's one thing that's very important about total depravity. People need to understand this. Sinners who've not heard the gospel, that wrath is going to be poured out on them. Yeah. Now, some folks hear the gospel, never receive it. And, and judgment's going to be poured out on them. But there are people, there are 2.5 billion people on the earth right now that are totally depraved. And if they don't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're going to hell. God's yeah. wrath is going to pour out on them. Yeah, they, they have no uh, excuse, right? And That's that goes right. back to the argument we were talking about, that, that even if you took, took out the righteousness of God, right, they have set up mm-hmm. a, a moralism that exists within wherever whatever system that they live in, and they don't live up to it. Can't, right? yeah. They can't even live up to their own morality, let alone a morality that's foreign to them. Yeah. And so they need a foreign righteousness, um, and they're without excuse. Mm. You know, and man, that that should fuel the fire of missions, Amen. in in our hearts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, well, and and the, the the greatest the greatest missionaries as far as. I don't look. There's missionaries we'll ne- that were far greater. We'll probably never hear of another yeah. names, yeah. but some of the greatest that's ever been that really helped like fuel the fire for an agency like IMB were those who had a a a doctrinal view of total depravity as it's poured out all mm-hmm. over the scripture. They yeah. were what we would call reformed in their thought, yeah, and uh, and because of that, that was their fuel for missions, and you know. Uh, we, I think we, I feel like we skirt around this issue a lot, but, but when we talk about the Baptist movements of the 17th, 18th century, and I'm talking about Baptists, I'm not talking about reformers here. I'm talking about the the people that we would we would identify with. They were all um, sold out on the doctrines of grace, mm-hmm. and the Southern Baptist Convention itself was founded upon that. You know, you got the. Um, Help me out here. When the when Southern Baptist Theological Seminary was started, you have um, I forget the abstract of principles. Yeah, the abstract of principles, which is essentially the London Baptist Confession in a shorter version mm-hmm. that just it's an abstract. Yeah, that lays <laughs> all of this out, right? And and so you know we may be divided on certain issues mm-hmm. around this room right mm-hmm. now that regards to. You know the finer points of um, the doctrines of grace, but but these are the things that define us mm-hmm. as as Baptist and as Southern Baptist. Argue with it if you want, but the history is is there, right? Um, these these are the these are the um, ideas and the and the doctrines that that started it all, Amen. and 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 this one I think is where you have to start, right? What where there may be things that we disagree on in, in church or with other Christians or church members or whatever, I would hope that this is not one we ever disagree on. Yeah, I think there's probably so, discussion, and we will have discussions as we go through um, about, you know, 
But this is this has to be. If this is not foundational, um, then then I think we have two different objectives, right? Uh, in that in in thought and in and in practice. And so this one for me um, is, I think, really foundational. The next question I had, and you know, maybe I'll give you the next two, and you guys decide which one that you want to talk about first. Okay. So we have the one about. Um, how does holding to the doctrine of total depravity affect our view of, and then I have a list. So, so God the Father and kind of creation itself, kind of foundations of the world, um, Christ, and then um, grace. Or we can talk about, because I think these two things go together, um, for those who would disagree, for those who would argue against total depravity, um, what is their view, right? And and why do we feel like that's dangerous? Which one do you want to go with first? I, I think we've talked all around the last one that you've mentioned there, and I, I think we'll come back to it okay. later on. So I, and you missed a question there that I had. How do you see the doctrine of total depravity of original yeah. sin impacting your Christian life. And so, yeah. So let's do this. Let's, another, do it number, let's, let's go with number three, right? How, how does the doctrine of total depravity um, affect our view or impact our view of uh, and God slash the God, the father slash, you know, the creation uh, Christ and grace and salvation. So let's start with sort of God, the father, and creation. How does total depravity impact our view of that? I'll start with God the Father. Yeah. Um, it's uh, so difficult for us to imagine in our fallen state the holiness and the greatness of God. Mm. And so when we when we think of that, I think we often we often think of good in terms of maybe other people or we, we meet somebody or another minister or a neighbor and we think, oh, wow, that person's good. Um, and yet the Bible says there's only one good. Yeah. It's God. And so <clears throat> um, trying to trying to grasp and realize the holiness of God, you realize <clears throat> you realize all of a sudden that regardless of how good I am or how good I can be, mm-hmm. it will never come close to comparing to who God is. And so so when you when you look at it on a spectrum, let's you know, let's say we've got a line that's this end is good, this end is bad, it doesn't matter where you are on that spectrum. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. Because you're you're never gonna measure up to his holiness. And so it 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 helps us in understanding um, not only who we are, I think, in our fallen nature, but also understanding more about who he is and in his character um, as we study his character traits. And so it's a, um, I, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I see. And and at, at the same time, as we as we get that proper perspective of who we are, um. It should help us have more long suffering with others as well, because um, we're in the same boat. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's it would be crazy for us to look <laughs> down on somebody else and say, "How dare they do this?" or "How dare they do that?" or "Why are they this way?" or "Why are they that way?" 
um, we should have a love for each other um, and a desire to see others grow in Christ Mm -hmm. and learn more about Him. Yeah, just jumping on the holiness of God there and and God, God the Father, and how total depravity, how that works into my own rationale and thinking of of, of worshiping Him and who He is and all that, putting all that together. Uh, I think that with me personally, I, I look through my own Christian life experience, and uh, I can remember um, wanting to become a better Christian. And so interesting because we're starting Romans 12 now. We're really going to look at practical Christian living. And so I had this desire to be, uh, to be holier. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I began to, I stumbled upon R.C. Sproul's Holiness of God because I thought that book would help me become holy. Yeah. And I started reading the book and it began to describe him and as the more I read about, and, and, and for those who have never read it, half the book is probably Scripture. Yeah. And the more that I read it, the more I saw how, the total depravity of humanity. I saw, you know, I was trying to become a holier person. This reason I bought this book, I did you know, 10 Ways to Become Holy or yeah. something like that, exactly. you know? Yeah. Uh, how do I not covet my... Uh, my neighbor's property, and how do I, you know, how do I, how do I become a better husband, and you know, all those kind of things is really, it was it genuinely was what I was searching for, but I began to learn more about him, and it really began to expose the sinfulness of man, the sinfulness of my heart, but it was freeing, mm-hmm. you know. At the same time, it was very freeing. It was like, you know, I, I came into this with such a, a legalistic, moralistic mentality, even though I was a believer at the time, I got freed from seeing who God was. And then in creation, um, to me, what the doctrine of total depravity has meant to me is I go home and I turn on the news and it's bad news every night. And there was a day and time before I, before, before I really grasped total depravity especially as taught among those who hold fast to the doctrines of grace. Before I ever understood it or comprehended that or received that, I would go home and I would turn on the news and I would be like, we got we to gotta get in the middle of Ukraine and Russia right now. Yeah. We got to fix know, this. got to fix it, you know. And, and, or I, I, I was angry a lot, to be honest yeah. with you. I was angry about matters. Uh, I was... Um, you know, I was of the world, mm. even though I'd been called out of the world. And, um, and so, so what I see in creation is I see a fallen world. Yeah. I see a broken world. And I see sinners acting in sinful ways. Now, that we do not say, we don't look at that and say, well, we just dismiss everything. It's okay. Right. Honey, you're, it's, it's expected of you. We do not believe that. We believe calling righteousness into an unrighteous world. Mm-hmm. We believe saying, this is sin, this is wrong. Um, but it, again, it was very freeing to me personally yeah. to see total depravity in its relationship to creation. From the fall of creatures 
uh, and the fall of human beings together and, 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 and just people. And so I look at people a lot differently. Yeah. yeah. And you don't put your hope in, in anything that this world has to offer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in a president or a political party or anything like that, you know that's all, you know. Before total depravity became clear to me, and this God just opened it up, and it began, I'm, I'm telling you, it really began not in reading about the tulip. It began in reading about who God was. Right. And before that, I was a person of very little mercy. Mm. I had very little, you know, my, my heart of charity would have been towards a, a Christian trying their best in the world. I had very little mercy for humanity. Yeah. And, and, and that's, to me, is how the relationship of God the Father and creation. I would, would it, it's that. easy not to let people disappoint you when you don't expect anything out of them. That's really. a fact. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for me, and I was kind of writing this question, I was, it, it to me, sort of, um, I think it, it uh, illuminates or amplifies the seriousness of sin. Um, that it was, it was, uh, Adam's sin that essentially has 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 brought on um, the exponential sinfulness that has gone on um, since then, and you know it it's hard for us to rationalize. I think because we are uh, limited in understanding uh, how that one betrayal can be enough to. To impact um, Earth, you know, creation, history, whatever, as much as it has, um, but that's just us not understanding the seriousness of sin mm-hmm. and the betrayal that it is um, to God. And then the other thing is, it's just so difficult for for me um, to hold in my mind the the wrath of God and mm-hmm. the mercy of God. Um, at the same time, and both of them be uh, the, the, there's not there's no contradiction in it's, him. Yeah, it's, it, they describe his complete essence. Yeah, he is his he is fully wrath in essence, fully merciful in essence, and that's very hard to understand. But so is the Trinity. Yeah, <laughs> we believe yeah, that, right exactly. <laughs> so you know, then the next question is, how does it impact our view of of Christ? Um, and really, I think more I was thinking about uh, Christ in his work here um, and not so much maybe Christ in his person. So how does it, how does it impact our view of what Christ did in, um, I guess, first manifesting in human form, um, living out the righteousness that we could never achieve, um, offering himself up, for the sins of the world, defeating death, sin, on uh, in the resurrection, how how is that impacted by a doctrine of total depravity? Mm. Well, I'll start this one, then Edwin can piggyback. Right. Um, I, I I I'm overwhelmed by the thought of Christ going to the cross for sinners. Mm. Christ is has the has the knowledge of God because he is God in human flesh. Um, he knows all things. He 
we hear every so often of a wicked story. And it's just like, that's crazy that that much wickedness. Well, we just, we, God is in heaven right now and he looks upon humanity and he's not like us. We, we, we may, if you live to be 80, maybe two total years of your entire life, you will know of wickedness, you know, whether you're reading a book or watching a movie or watching a documentary. God, in, in the, since the creation of humanity, there has never been a moment that has went by that evil happened on the earth and he didn't see it. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, not to be um, childish or anything like that, but it's like Netflix documentary never stops, but yeah. it's full HD. It's just constant. Yeah. And he sends his son to die for sinners like that. Yeah. And and Jesus takes the cross, mm. you know, he he's, he take, drinks the cup, he takes the cross, he dies for it. Well, that would have been amazing, and it is amazing. Mm-hmm. But then, kind of mentioning onto something that Edwin said just a minute ago, so even for those that are redeemed and believe, look at the failures yeah. of his own followers, you know, and how many times have, will we fail him? And this is the same one that told Peter, you know, not seven times do you forgive them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you continue to feed over and over and over, right? Yeah. And that, but that was the mentality as he goes to the cross. And it's to me, it's overwhelming. It's an overwhelming thought. And it is why Jesus is the center of our worship. Yeah. It's, it's just, I mean, and I, you're sitting there talking and I was just thinking about that, you know, he he watches it. He's seen it all. Mm-hmm. He's taken it all in. Right? Mm-hmm. And two things came to mind. One, um, I think we we are a little bit, um, maybe a little bit uh, jaded. I mean, we walk around in it. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, we're. It's just. It's all over us. It's in mm-hmm. us. But he is as pure as. You know, you can't do a as there, right? Yeah. He is he is the essence of purity, and he looks at it, and you know, we may look at a sin, and and we've become callous mm-hmm. to it, but he would never have become callous. And the second thing is that he he looked on history as a as a whole, mm-hmm. um, and knew the depravity of man, and yet still chose to yeah. to come. And to take that wrath, um, and and what we read in scripture is that that it was the plan all along. Amen. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he has he has been the lamb that was slain bef- from before the foundations of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and so and so he created, right? He created it all, knowing it's going to go south, and the way it's going to be redeemed is through me taking. On this this wrath, this sin, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pay the price for humanity, mm-hmm. and that's just to me it, it, it's just it's breathtaking. It, it yeah. it's more than my mind. It's more than my I think my my whole existence can contain. Amen. Amen. I'll say this: we we do either become calloused or we become very judgmental, um, and I think sometimes we're probably both at yeah. the same time, but um. Back to the 
<clears throat> question at hand. I think what blows my mind the most is that, you know, <clears throat> you would never put yourself, or you should never put yourself in God's shoes. But when I when I look at myself, and and sometimes when I seem to have a lack of mercy or a lack of compassion, and then you think about the mercy and compassion that He has shown in the midst of not just seeing the things that we know are atrocious, but seeing all of those things, mm-hmm. and yet still having the mercy and compassion. And you know, and I, I think about it. You know, sometimes when I'm driving or something and somebody does something stupid and you're like, oh, man, I wish I had a blue light or, you know, if I was a cop, I would take care of this problem right now. And um, and I, I think that sometimes our attitude in the world as well, that we we don't have that lack of mercy. We don't have that yeah. lack of compassion. And, um, and to know that he is God, that he is completely righteous, that he is completely perfect, and yet he did, um, just absolutely blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And he still has the patience to tarry, you know, mm. Amen. so that so that more and more can hear the truth. It's amazing. I think we, you know, pretty much, you know, when we talk about um, the work of Christ, we talk about this, but I'll mention it just in case anybody. The, the third one is how does total depravity um, impact our view of grace and <laughs> and salvation? For me, it it changes Everything, right? I mean, it, it goes from something that I have to achieve, right, to something that it is impossible for me to achieve, mm-hmm. right? That I can't within myself muster up faith in Christ. Um, but it also reminds me, I think, that grace is continual um, because uh, the truth of the matter is that, that without Christ in my life, Presently, um, I would have the potential to be, you know, as evil as anybody you want to throw <laughs> up in comparison, right? I mean, we all have within us in our flesh the potential to be totally wicked. And the only thing that separates us from the neighbor across the street is that Christ has seen fit to, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, reveal to us our our sinfulness and our need for a savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes we forget the definition of grace mm-hmm. and um it is unmerited favor. And um and it, it's amazing, you know, when you think about that that we we are not deserving yeah. of any of that, nor are we ever going to do anything that's deserving of it. It's it's just simply a gift that he has given us. And um and not only not only would he receive that gift you know, salvation, but that gift is continual in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. And we were constant recipients of that grace um, on a daily basis. Um, I, I would have given up on myself a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but to know that God never will, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> with grace um, in regards to salvation, uh, saving grace and total depravity, um, you know, one thing that comes to mind, you guys kind of touched on it, the impossible reality of total depravity for a man to save himself or to be saved by his own merit. When Jesus, went, when Jesus was approached by the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler come to him and called him, good teacher, right? 
Yeah. Just like your good neighbor across the street. It's a good teacher. And they begin to have their dialogue and their conversation. And the, you know, the rich young ruler goes away and he's, he's sad because, you know, what Jesus required um, was something he wasn't willing f- to do, basically. Yeah. You know, he thought he had done it all. Couldn't do. Couldn't do. Right, couldn't do. And so as he goes away, Jesus tells his disciples, you know, he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle yeah. uh, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And which for them was so confusing because in their culture, uh, a wealthy man who was the ruler of the synagogue, you can't get more say than that. God's, God's merit, unmerited of grace has already been poured out on him because mm-hmm. he made him who he is, right? Yeah. His earthly status. Yeah. Exactly. Who, who then can be saved? Yeah. yeah. So that's what they asked the question. They said, "Well, then who can be saved?" Yeah. That's that. That's the. I love that part because they're like, <laughs> they're they're as confused as 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 I have been in the past. Like, who in the world can be saved? And so Jesus responds, "With man, it is impossible, yeah. but with God, nothing is impossible." Mm. And then you go to Romans chapter four. I think Romans chapter four, first 10, 12 verses of that chapter is just. You, no one can argue with this conversation on the impossible position of a sinner to be saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul is telling them that if, if there was works, then and salvation can't have anything to do with grace. You, you, you've earned it. You've deserved that. And he breaks it down so plainly. Is, that the way, is, that the, is Romans 4 the, the wages and like if... If it's due to you as wages, then it's not grace. Right? That's right. Yeah, okay. yeah. And and so with total depravity, we see this uh, humanity that is in an impossible situation with a certain outcome, mm-hmm. and the certain outcome is judgment or grace. And and so when God. You know, save someone, he brings them out of that judgment that was just as certain. Yeah. As Jonathan Edwards, you know, said, we, man dangles above hell held by a thread. Yeah. And that's, that's life. Life's a vapor. The, the thread's the life. Mm-hmm. And when God rescues that sinner, um, it's, it's truly what amazing grace is. It's truly what amazing grace is. There was nothing about me that caught God's attention in eternity past yeah. or in present day or anything. It's just simply God and His grace said, I'm saving this one. You are mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I made this earth. I made Adam. I made Eve. They fell. Satan has, is First John chapter 5, verse 19, he's the ruler of this age. Yeah. You're mine, though. You are mine. <laughs> to me, that's that's what grace is. <clears throat> yeah, that's amazing. So, so um, how do we then, with that understanding, you know, if if it stays on the pages of Scripture and if it stays in the thoughts and the minds of uh, men who came before us in doctrine, and it never impacts how we walk through this life, um, then then can we really say? That we believe it, right? So how do we, how does, how do we walk around with that, right? How do we wake up in the mornings with the understanding that the 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 majority of human existence is in a position 
of God is God's wrath is on them. And the fact that somehow through his sovereignty and his grace and his mercy that we have been rescued. How do we walk around with that? How does that change mm-hmm. how I go to Edgemont every day? How does that change how that drive to Morristown goes? You know, or or uh, here from uh, how, how do we how do we walk around with it? I w- I would say this, and I, I think we kind of covered this a little bit earlier, even, yeah. but. Um, I I wrote this in my notes, and I'm I'm just going to read what I wrote, and then we can we can talk about it, or y'all can criticize it, or whatever. I said I think it affects how we view the world. It is easy for us just to think of how of people being bad. How else would we expect them to be? Hmm. And when we have this view, it it enables us to empathize with the world, to love the world, even in the condition that we're in. Um, but they do not need to be better. They need Jesus. Yeah. And um, mm. I think what the world is telling people who they see in unfortunate circumstances or in an unfortunate way of life that they just need to be better. Yeah. And the answer is not being better. The answer is Christ. And um, so that that means for us that, that we have a duty to, to tell. And um, loving people is not just passively watching them go by and yeah. saying, oh, I love that person. It's it's proactive in that we need to go and tell them yeah. about Christ, and so it should it should give us a driving ambition to reach out to these people who we should love, and and reach them with the gospel mm-hmm. that can change them. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, just going a little maybe not too far on a rabbit trail here, but it's kind of fresh on my mind right now. It's, been reading C.S. Lewis this week, learning in wartime, to help Isaiah get ready for his interview. And one of the things that C.S. Lewis talks about in there is, you know, not not to go into detail of the, the background. Y'all know the story, but there is there's we we deal with the certainty of the uncertainty of time. Mm. And so, how long do I have? And so, um, with the knowledge of that sinners are dying and going to hell, should I just Stop everything that I'm doing to keep from sinners from going to hell. But at the same time, um, you know, there's a war going on. So should should I stop what I'm doing right now to go fight in this war? And so we, we as people, we, we're Christians, especially we 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 battle with this these realities. Yeah. So if, knowing about total depravity, it does create a weight upon us of, you know, that we deal with. And one of the things I love of what Lewis says, he's like, uh, Jesus went to weddings and even he even made wine appear. Uh, Paul teaches uh, Christians in the church, uh, hey, you're probably going to get invited to pargan, uh, parties. They might probably even be pagan parties and they may have pagan meats, yeah. right? And so we, we definitely, we have to live life. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that we should not have a reckless of urgency for missions. But I think, I think the one thing that I would suggest is that we should uh, all begin and pray and seek and ask God to help us to be, make God a part of our conversations. Mm-hmm. 
I think the one thing that we could help a totally depraved world the most is for Christians. And that doesn't mean you can't talk about the Auburn-Tennessee basketball game this weekend, right? But it, it should we how do we how do we in, how do we intertwine God more in our conversations? You know, yeah. um, Martin Luther said that if the end was tomorrow, if he knew for certain that Jesus was coming tomorrow, he would plant a tree today. And so, you think about that statement. Yeah. Um, let's just keep doing and keep going, and 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 ultimately, let's be doing good as we do it. And part of that doing good should definitely be gospel conversations. And it doesn't. It just let's talk of God. Yeah. So if someone asks you how your weekend went on Monday, we probably say, "Well, I got this done in the yard, and I got this done, and Sunday afternoon I did this." But I would encourage people to say, "Worship was great." Yeah. You know, and we uh, it got my yard work done. We went shopping. We did this. Worship was great on Sunday. Just little things like yeah. that. We we find ways to exclude him. Yeah. We compartmentalize. Yeah. Our whole life. Yeah. And so. How do we how do we break break free of that? So, so the last question here, and I, and you know, how do how do we have a conversation? Because we know that there exists even around us, um, probably tonight, that there has been a sermon preached or a Bible study led that um, that has given some. Uh, some credence to the idea that that we somehow have a a part to play, right? Or a, a, that that somehow we can um, muster up. So what what is the what is the sort of uh, opposite view of total depravity, and um, and how do how do we have a conversation there? To let them know that how dangerous that can be spiritually. I think the I think the world's main view today is actually the opposite view of total depravity. And um, when we think of it in theological terms, I think we often go to Pelagianism, yeah. um, which is Pelagius was a man who believed that man was not affected by the fall and and had the ability to do good if he so chose to do it. Right and. Um, and I think the world pretty much lives that way today. That oh, we we can be better. We can we can get this right, or we can do this right. And if we want to be good, we could we could do that. And that's just not what Scripture teaches. And so you know, ultimately, Pelagius, Pelagius was counted as a, a heretic, was mm-hmm. excommunicated from the church, um, and yet his teachings are still going on today. Mm. And um, and I, I think there's a danger. I think a lot of times when people hear subjects like subjects like this, they hear total depravity or they hear unconditional election, or they their their tendency is to want to argue against it sometimes. Hmm. And if you argue against this particular one, you're going down a very dangerous road. And um, and yet the world, you know, um, has bought into this, to this attitude. I think I think sometimes we look at the world and we think, wow, the the world's worse today than it was 20 years ago, or we do the opposite. We think, well, the world's getting better. Um, and and the truth is, you know, um, the world really hasn't changed in the last 2,000 years significantly. There's been this or that, or um, there may be good days and bad days or whatever, but 
Um, man is not going to get to God of his own yeah. volition. And um, and we have to do everything that we can to teach the world um, who they are, what their right standing is with God, and who God is, um, so that they do get this right. Amen. So I want to be very clear about what I say here, because I don't want to, if, if somebody hears this and misunderstands, it may uh, offend some people. So in regards to total depravity, let's say total depravity, the ins and outs, the first word and the last word of total depravity, if it was two pages long, mm-hmm. 12 font, <laughs> a couple hundred words, original sin would be like half a page. So original sin is a part of total depravity. Um, but total, there's more to total depravity. Anyone that has an issue with some of the things we talked about in total depravity, now, I, I can get, I can understand. Because I didn't, I didn't, I've not, as I mentioned, I was a Christian before I really began to come into concept with this. Yeah. And so I get, I get that and I understand it. And I think that there are some folks that, are pretty knowledgeable of Scripture, who still struggle with total depravity um, because from a society level, you hate the thought that man can't naturally do good on his own. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it needs, that needs to be a whole different conversation. We right. believe in common graces. Yes. And we believe man's responsible, you know, mm-hmm. Whether you're a Christian or you're lost, you have no right to go home tonight and hit your wife. Amen. You know, we believe in responsibility of man. But what we're talking about is the spiritual darkness, the lostness of the human soul, yeah. you know. And and so so I, I think people are scared of t- total depravity and would rather it not be talked about and go away because people won't. They want Cock County to be a beautiful county that's thriving. They want Tennessee to be a great state. They want America to be a flourishing country. And, and if you talk too much total depravity stuff, it makes it sound like, well, you know, just judgments everywhere and don't, you know, and, and I think that gets people off the wrong track. And I may be wrong about that. Yeah. Now, let's go to that half page, original sin. Anyone who would deny original sin, um, as being true is not a brother of mine in Christ. Mm. That I I draw a line with that, um, because if you don't believe in the the uh, the sinfulness of humanity, that men are born sinners, then to me you you believe that it's true that men maybe don't need to be born again. Mm. That's how serious original sin is to me. I any man that does not believe in original sin, I would not call them a brother. And 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 I may be wrong on this. I'm not. I'm not all knowing. But the, I, that to me is a dividing, drawing line. And whether you want to talk Pelagian of the fifth century, or uh, semi-Pelagianism that exists today, um, to me, semi-Pelagianism is just a very nice way of of saying that we have some differences on things. But I think original sin. We got to be open and we got to be honest. Yeah. And and no one should be fellowshipping, who who has who holds fast original sin with people who don't hold fast to it, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. They, they have no sin. They have no reason to be worshiping right. together. And and so I I draw a very strong line with that. 
to me, it doesn't. It, the 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 ones who would not believe in original sin, it's not that they go down a dangerous path, brother. They're already on it. Yeah, yeah. And you're talking about universalism. You're talking about uh, a a mindset of uh, we ultimately are good on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, I to me, I just I can't have any fellowship with that. Yeah. It it it. I mean. It defeats the purpose of, you know, some other things that we hold fast to, like mm. the virgin birth. Amen. Right? I mean, what was the purpose yeah. of the virgin birth if if the sin of Adam wasn't an issue, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? And so it, it, it all comes crumbling down, I think. And yeah. I think you're right. I think there's conversations to be had, and obviously none of us are, are all wise mm-hmm. and have all the answers. Um, but what we can do... Um, is hold fast to the scriptures, which I think makes it very clear, um, the condition of man. Amen. And um, and then, you know, we, we do, uh, we listen to the, to those who came before and we, and we test it. We test it, absolutely. And, and we, and we put, we put it to the scriptures and we say, what is, what is truth? You know, and we pray and and we seek the Lord, and then you know everything else is is outside of that. Um, I guess uh, is another level of importance. Yeah, and I think that I think you touched on something there. It's going to be important for if we're gonna, when we when we talk about doctrines of grace. It's going to be important. And it's something that has to be reinforced in our teachings, has to be reinforced in the pulpit and to the Sunday school rooms. We mention church history a lot, yeah. um, not because it is author- it has authority. And I, I, I have had some uh, folks that disagree with me on doctrines of grace to use that against me mm. personally. I'm not, I mean, personally tell me, you know, you're holding to church authority over scripture and and we never claim that what we claim is what paul says you know they were some we don't go around saying i'm apollos of cephas or i'm a paul yeah. but we have the right to take up everything test it and lay it down yeah. and that's what we do we reference those things because we think we're thankful for those that came before us yeah. and tested them i'm thankful for the nicene creed mm-hmm. i'm thankful that we believe in the triune God. Yeah. Um, and so we we reference those things, we talk about those things, but you know, we're we are we are of Christ. Mm-hmm. And and so that it needs to be really important because honestly, if you know I say doctrines of grace, those who don't hold fast to doctrines of grace call it Calvinism. Yeah. And I am not of Calvin, I am of God. Amen. Very intentionally avoided that I, word. I will read yeah. Calvin. Yeah. I will listen to what he says. I, I will. I will. I will read uh, all kinds of guys for that matter. But you know, that's just God has given us. Um, uh, he gave us Pelagian, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he gave us Pelagian, and and really, what would come from that would be uh, the Augustinian movement. Yeah. And so, it, but I, we read these people, we study these people, but that is not who we are. We are, we are of Christ and we are just simply trying to put into form conviction. Yeah. And, 
as pastors, to me, we have a lot of responsibilities. But one thing that should always be clear, a church is is not blessed if they don't know what we believe and why we believe it. Yeah. You are not preaching if people don't know what you believe and why you believe it. And that doesn't, I, I would rather people know what I believe, why I believe it, even if I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, because that, that's what we want. And then we want our people to go home and we want them to test it. Yeah. Just like I test what Spurgeon says. Yeah. I want them to test what we say, you know, and, yeah. and it goes back to the authority of Scripture. Amen. You know, it's Amen. all scriptura. That's who we are. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes you have you have people ask you. I had somebody ask me the other day. So, where do you see this in Scripture? And I'm like, where do I not see this in mm-hmm. Scripture? And so, when we when we talk about the doctrines of grace and we talk about these things, it's not that we've gone to one verse and said we're going to pull this verse out and we're going to believe this. Yeah, it, this is a common theme throughout Scripture from cover to cover, mm-hmm. and it's it's once you once you're envisioning that and what it is and i've not always been there mm-hmm. um but once it came to light it was like oh my goodness um this is everywhere mm-hmm. uh, and so and and the other thing is you know you, you mentioned calvin so i'll i'll mention calvin too um we don't follow calvin um we follow scripture mm-hmm. and um when i when i'm looking into when i was reading for tonight this afternoon for a little bit Never even thought about going to Calvin for this. I mean, there's there's plenty of scripture for it, um, and I did I did read a few other things, but um, I mean there there's there's ample scripture to back up what we believe, and I, I I do think sometimes we can be guilty of talking about subjects without talking about scripture, and I'm glad I'm glad that tonight that we've used so much scripture to talk about what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, that's that's the end of the questions that I have. Anything else anybody wants to say on this subject before we before we wrap up? Well, we came into this world totally depraved, and we thank God in Christ we're totally redeemed. Mm. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, that's it. So, uh, Brother Edwin, will you uh, pray for us, and and we'll. Wrap up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. And Father, I thank you so much for these two men that I'm sitting beside and for the impact and for the for what they've done for me personally. And God, I just pray that you would be with us as we study your word, that we would um, always be intent on looking into it, um, even before we look into other things. And um, God, I pray that we would be serious about these subjects and um, serious about reaching as many people as we possibly can as we go throughout our daily lives. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.